This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians again together in chapter 1. Uh, I want to thank those of you that uh, were able to make it uh, to uh, pray with us this last Sunday night. Had a wonderful time and season of prayer together. And uh, we need to, you know, the Bible talks about praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching there and too with perseverance and supplication for all saints. And um, so we just need to be people of prayer. prayer. Prayer changes things. You know, James, when he was writing, he said, you know, is, are any of you afflicted? Now, we think of affliction usually in the context of sickness or disease, but really the it's better translated, are any of you being tested or tried? And we all go through tests, you know? I mean, we all end up with trials that we're having to deal with. And he instructs us, he says, let him, the person who's dealing with this, pray. Hallelujah. And so thank God you get before your heavenly Father, you know he's got the answer, and you pray until you get breakthrough. Amen? Well, three of you thought that might be a good idea. Yeah, you know, uh, I understand sometimes that there's so many other things that pull on us that try to crowd that aspect of our life out, but don't let that happen. Make sure that you have a devotional life of prayer uh, before the Lord, because it'll bless you, and not only that, it'll bless other people around you. Hallelujah. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray together. I want to get into what I want to share with you this evening. Father, as we uh, break the bread of life, Again, we're so ever grateful, Father God, that you've made known to us your will in this we call the Bible. So, Father God, we ask you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, but more importantly, Father, may we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And, Father God, believing what it is that you've said and promised, walk in the light thereof. You said, Father, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we delight, Father, in the privilege. It is a grand privilege to trust you. And we thank you, Lord God, that wherever your promises can be found and where they are believed, Father, you bring them to pass. And so we just thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, we've been talking about the authority of the believer. And I want to begin again in Paul's prayer for the church there at Ephesus. You have to understand these were Gentile believers. You know, there in Ephesus, Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so, uh, you know, in in the body of this letter that he writes, he talks about how that God took away the enmity or the hostility that existed between Jews and Gentiles. You know, so when we talk about ethnic problems or racial problems and things like that, it's nothing new. Unfortunately, because of human nature, I guess, or the nature of sin, we have a, a tendency to want to fuss with one another. So, It's no different now than it was back then. So Paul is writing about the simple fact that when Jesus Christ came and shed his blood, he made two one, and that there is no division, there is no enmity within the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And so it's important for us to understand that, especially right now because of uh, just the visceral nature of things, you know, and you have to understand, as we get into our study, you'll understand that it's all set on fire of hell. It is without question the God of this world, you know, amping all of this stuff up uh, for because of his hatred of God's precious gift and precious people, you and I. Hallelujah. So we're just smarter than he is. I said we're smarter than he is. We're not going to get into this 
you know, uh, warfare that uh, he wants us to be in. We're going to get into warfare, all right, but it's not going to be against one another. It's going to be against him. Amen. So notice with me again here in verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. I want you to notice particularly this verse, because there's something here of significance that I want you to maybe, you know, put in the fly leaf of your Bible there or margin. But notice in this, ver- this 20th verse, he makes reference to, first of all, um, the power that raised Christ from the dead. And then he also makes reference to not only that, that outworking of the divine power of God, literally raising Christ up from the dead and putting new life back into him, but he also is talking about the authority that Christ was given in that moment. So notice verse 20 again with me, which he wrought in Christ. Now notice, when he raised him from the dead. I don't know about you, but there just aren't too many people that are getting that job done. But thank God, God raised him from the dead. Now notice this in the latter part of the verse, and notice it says, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So we see the power, the dunamis, the ability of God raising Christ from the dead. But not only that, he took Christ and seated him at his own right hand, giving him all authority, both in heaven and on earth. Then he went on to explain it in this way that he was seated in, uh, at his own right hand in heavenly places, verse 21, far above. Everybody say far above. Say that one more time. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He's put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. I tell you what, praise God, just the, the, the magnificence of the wisdom of God and what it is that he did when he raised Christ from the dead, and knowing that all of this was not for Jesus, but for our sake, so that you and I could come out from underneath the bondage of sin, out from underneath the curse of the law, out from underneath the jurisdiction of the devil, and praise God to be able to live our lives free in Jesus' name. Amen? But notice now, again, you know, we have these chapters and verses, you know, and things for the sake of division and stuff, but, but the letter doesn't stop. It's still, there's a, there's a continuity behind it. So when it says here in 23, which is his body, uh, the fullness of him that fills all in all, he then goes on to say, and you, now the King James in italics, uh, italics says, hath he quickened, actually those words were not in the original text. Anytime you see something italicized, it was put in there uh, by the translators for readability, essentially. But again, it says, and you hath he quickened or made alive, 
who were dead. So really, if you just took that part out, it would say it this way. It says, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, we know he's talking about Satan there, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all among whom also we all had our conversation or manner of life and time passed in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind, and, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, everybody say, thank God for his mercy. Yeah, thank God for his mercy, who's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he has quickened or made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved. Now notice verse 6, and has raised us up, hallelujah, he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Glory be to God forevermore. So notice with me in chapter 1, verse 20, it says again, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And then in verse 6 of the second chapter, he says again, and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when you see the imagery of that, you have to come to know and understand that it can mean no less than for you and I to share the authority that is represented at that seating of Christ. So his authority has become ours, and he wants us to walk in the authority that has been given to the believer, the child of God, and if you're a child of God, you have it. You have his authority. Now, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, uh, if you don't know it, you can't walk in the light of it. And sometimes people do know it, but then they don't exercise it. And so that's why we're talking about this for these, you know, weeks on end, it seems. But I mean, you could never exhaust this subject. You could talk and talk and talk. But otherwise, you know, it's important for us to understand this and, and get a hold of it. But God the Father, he stripped hell. And he strips Satan of all its authority or his authority where your life as a child of God is concerned. Are you listening to me? And he did something significant for all of us. Hallelujah. And he did it through the blood and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. From the dead. Now notice with me, if you would, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Notice this scripture. Um, <clears throat> It says in, in the 13th verse, who has delivered us, not going to, but has delivered us from the power or really the authority of darkness. You know, people say, well, the devil's giving me such a hard time. Well, why? You know, I, I mean, he's a defeated foe. Are you listening to me? So it shouldn't, the posture of our mindset and our thinking should never be one of defeat or that somehow or another that we have no power over whatever it is that the devil's trying to bring into our lives because praise God we do. 
And again, you know, a lot of times you understand that his only, his only weapon really is deception. And if he can make you think that you're powerless, then you are. But if you come to know the truth, then thank God the truth will make you free. And thank God you can put your foot on his head instead of the other way around. Hallelujah. So we know that it's important for us to understand this verse, who has delivered us from the authority of darkness and, and, and we'll work to define what that means as we go through our lesson tonight. But he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Aren't you glad for that? So, again, Paul in Colossians is telling us this, and it's only re-echoing what we just got done reading about us being seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So we know that's true. But, but again, how's it exercised? And I made reference to you uh, talking about last week about jurisdiction and boundaries. Just as there are natural laws, there are spiritual laws. You know, you go out and try to violate the laws of gravity, uh, you could end up in some trouble. You know what I'm saying? And so they, they work, they, they exist. And what you and I need to do is we need to learn what those laws are from a spiritual standpoint. The Bible talks about the law of sin and death. In other words, you disobey God and this is going to be the result. Are you listening to me? But it also talks about the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about the law of faith. We say, well, I didn't know that you talked about all that. Well, that's the reason why we're having this study, so that we can come to know that these are the things that exist. And, and you know, again, I mean, a lot of folk, if, if you want, you can just say, well, I don't know if I believe that. That's your prerogative. But the reality is when God wrote this love letter to us, he told us the truth. And he talked about a spiritual realm and a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And he said, if you'll believe this, if you will listen, if you will act in accordance with what I'm telling you, your life will be blessed by my hand. If you choose not to, well, then you're just out. You know, it's nobody's fault. You choose. Now, again, sometimes people choose ignorantly because of what they don't know, but the fact of the matter is, is the choice is yours. So let's learn. Let's find out what the Bible has to say. Thank God. And let's walk in the light of it. Glory to God forevermore. I don't know about you, but I like being free. Huh? So we talked about jurisdiction and boundaries, and we talked about the fact there's essentially three authorities in the world, and that is God, Satan, and you. Man, we could say, man. And I think there's something here, I don't know that I'll get into a lot of it, but you have to understand, you don't have jurisdiction or authority over human will, okay? A lot of people want to make everybody do whatever it is they want to do. Well, that's witchcraft. You know, that's just, you know, trying to control people. You can't do that. You say, yeah, but I wish my kids would just straighten out. Well, what you need to do is you need to take authority of the devil behind the influence of that child. Are you with me? A lot of times, you know, your kids are all wonderful and blessed in the summer. First day of school, they come back and you go, what happened to my child? Why? Because they've come under this influence. And so you have to say, no, you don't, devil. Hell is not having my child. You know, you have jurisdiction where your children are concerned. Now, there comes a day of accountability, I guess you could say, where your kids are concerned, where they have to make some of their own choices. They're not going to live by mama's faith or grandma's faith or granddad or anybody else. They're going to have to make some of their own decisions. Are you with me? A lot of times parents, they get all beat up, you know, over this deal. And um, it's, it's so unfair 
for you to allow the devil to do that to you. Because the reality is, is that, you know, if you've endeavored and you've put yourself before God and said, God, help me, you know, to raise my kids and this and that, they know the truth, the seed is in them. And now they have to make some decisions of their own. And they might go stupid, you know, but again, it's their choice, not yours. Are you listening to me? And the last thing God wants you to do, I mean, you think about all the heartache that's in the Old Testament and the New, where different, you know, kids, siblings, different, you know, individuals ran off and went the other direction. It never makes the heart of a parent glad. Are you with me? But thank God you can stand in the gap for them. And that they can come to themselves. Jacob, he was an ordinary outfit, you know. Everything that he did ran off. You know, well, he had an encounter with God. And he said, surely God is in this place. And I didn't know it. And so he vowed a vow. And he said, God, if you'll get me straightened up here and, you know, this and that and the other, then I'll do what it is you want me to do. And God turned his captivity. And the same thing can happen to kids that have decided, you know, whatever it is that they think that they want to do. There are, there are influences in the world. And behind that is the God of this world who's out to steal, kill, and to destroy. So we tell our kids that, don't be mindless, don't be foolish, listen to what God is telling you. Because if you don't, it will not be well with you. Are you listening to me? Huh? Y'all still here? Shake, do something, nod, just let me know you're, you're conscious and I'll, I'll be okay. Hallelujah. So that's all I want to say about that because I want to move on here a little bit. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ has absolutely redeemed us from the authority of darkness, legally. When he went to the cross, died for the sins of the world, rose victorious, seated himself at the right hand of the Father, he, it's done, it's finished, it's complete. And everything's done where, where he's concerned. But we must, you and I, as believers, not only know this truth, but you have to steer clear of any attempt that the devil makes to ensnare or trap you. You know, Paul said, we're not ignorant of his devices. Well, sometimes I wonder if we're really aware of what it is that's taking place. Now, here's, I'm going to make this statement to you. And you need to understand this. Satan does not have the legal right to do anything in your life, to bind you in any way. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness. So he has no legal right whatsoever to bind us in any way, but he does have the right to try. Why? Because he's the God of it. We share this planet with, a, with an idiot, you know? And so if there's any way that he can, he'll try. Listen, look at this verse with me. Maybe in your Bibles or up on the screen anyway. Look at this verse, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Know ye not? You know, Paul's saying, hey, dude, don't get a clue. Don't you know? He says, know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, how many of you think righteousness might be the better choice? Huh? But read it again. Listen to what it says. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey? Again, 
either sin unto death or obedience unto um, righteousness. How many of you uh, um, are familiar with hog lot? Okay. Now, one of the characteristics about a hog lot is what happens if you get close to that hog lot and stay there a while? Huh? You start to stink like it. Huh? You go into a hog confinement, you know, or, or even, you know, a lot of any kind. And when you get close to it, you need a bath. Huh? I bought this old car just as a, I don't even know why. I just did. And uh, um, Lily was down in the shop with me when, and she said, you know, Papa, what's this? What do you got going here? I went and, you know, I said, well, I just bought this. She opens up the door. She goes, oh, Papa, that does not smell good. You know? <laughs> and she's got a nose. I mean, it's unbelievable. But anyway. But, but again, you know, you get close to the hogs, you start smelling like them. You know, years ago, back in the 50s, they had a, uh, they had a, uh, a plane, it actually was built for the CIA, it's called a U-2 uh, spy plane. And this thing would fly at 70,000 feet. It wasn't a particularly fast plane, but the United States didn't think that anybody had anything that could touch it anyway at 70,000 feet. So they'd go and they'd do reconnaissance and they'd take pictures and this and that and the other. Well, actually, two of those planes got shot down, one in Russia and one in Cuba during uh, a crisis down there. And uh, so they come to find out that this impervious kind of plane, you know, was not so impervious. And then they came up with an SR-22, which is another, the next generation back, yeah, would have been in, the, that was in the 50s, this would have been in the 60s. But instead of only, you know, it had a, the U-2 had a service ceiling of 70,000 feet. What is that? Five times? That's a long ways up there, eight miles high anyway, or whatever. But when they come up with the SR-22, it had a service ceiling of 85,000 feet. Now, why am I mentioning that to you? Because what they needed to do is get up out of you know, the, the uh, service to air missiles that, you know, the enemy or whoever it might be might have so that they didn't get shot down. What am I trying to tell you? You know, if you get down into the devil's stuff, then you can get shot at and end up getting killed. Are you listening to me? Now, the other thing about the SR-22 is it went Mach 3. Dude, what a kick in the pants that would be. Wouldn't that be fun? Three times the speed of sound. So what would happen is, is they'd be up there taking pictures, and if their radar showed that, you know, there was uh, uh, missiles that were being shot at them, all they would do is just put the hammer down, and they basically just outrun it because they could go so fast. Doesn't that sound like fun? To, to me, that sounds like a blast, okay? Yeah, giddy up. But here's my point, again, is to say, you gotta keep yourself out of the fray. And you gotta fly where God tells you to fly, not where the world tells you to fly. Are you with me? Because uh, that's not what you wanna do. So the way that Christians get into trouble is when we, we violate biblical law, when we disobey God. That's why when you get into sin, dude, I mean immediately repent. 
and get yourself out of that mess because you don't want to be there. Now, again, look at the verse of Scripture we read there in Romans chapter 6 again. Don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness? Thank God you are not without ability to obey God and follow him. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. He was, he was sent to empower you so that you could win, so that you could overcome, so that you could resist, so that you could stand against, you could, you know, uh, again, overcome, have victory. Hallelujah. But a lot of times the devil says, well, you ain't got no victory. You don't feel like victory. You, you know, it doesn't look like victory. You know, and he starts lying to you, and pretty soon you say, well, I, I guess I ain't got no victory. Well, you do. You just got to keep him in the realm of faith. Are you listening to me? And when you do, praise God, you're the one that ends up windowing, winning. Hallelujah. Here's another verse of Scripture. First John chapter 5, verse 18. We know. What, what do we know, John? We know that whosoever is born of God sins not. In other words, doesn't practice sin. But he that is begotten of God keepeth what? He keeps it what? He keeps himself. Hallelujah. And that wicked one touches him not. Remember when Jesus was there in a garden, he was talking to his disciples. He said, the prince of this world cometh, but he what? Has nothing in me. He didn't give the devil any place. Are you listening to me? And so praise God. You know, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you're to keep yourself and not get him, you know, embroiled in a bunch of nonsense that you don't want to be in. Psalm 91. Uh, I'm just going to uh, pick out a few selected verses here. But it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, you're under his protection. How many of you like that idea? It goes on then to say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and fortress, my God, and in him I will trust. And then going down in verse 9, he says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And then it goes on then to say, because you have made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. I'm telling you, praise God, it's good to stay with him. Are you with me? And yeah, ere there may be many things that go on in the world, thank God he'll keep us. Can you say amen? You know, right now, I just, I read some news feed and they were talking to some woman, you know, talking about uh, California that the Christians and the this and the that, there was two or three things that she was blaming for all the problems. You know, we never used to have this, but it's, it's, it's here. Are you, you'd never, in the United States of America, you would never hear somebody blaming Christians about this and that and the other. But do they blatantly do it now? And it's hell that's behind that voice. Are you with me? So it goes on then to say in verse 14, because you or I or we have set our love upon him, God, me, he says, therefore will I, hallelujah, deliver him. 
and I will set him on high because he has known my name. Well, I tell you what, praise God, you don't have to be afraid of nothing. I said you don't have to be afraid of nothing. Let me say it one more time. You don't have to be afraid of anything. I can't tell you how many times I preached out of Psalm 91 during this whole COVID thing, trying to get people to understand that we, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High that he'll keep us and that he'll take care of us. So when you walk in the light of God's word and in obedience to the laws of God's jurisdiction, there is nothing that the devil can do to harm you. Everybody say it together, he's a defeated foe. Yeah, he's a defeated foe. So he can't do anything, you know, when we're walking in the light of God's word and we're obeying the word of God. Are you listening to me? But the opposite is also true. If you decide to walk in darkness, sin, anger, strife, you know, whatever, you open yourself up to problems. So when you see it coming, dude, you got to see it for what it is. Say, uh-uh, no, we're not doing this. I'm not doing this. Are you with me? You say, can I do that? Absolutely. Look at, uh, well, you're there in Ephesians. Did you move? Maybe you did. But in Ephesians chapter 4, notice what Paul is writing here in, in Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Notice it says, neither give place to the devil. Who, who does that? Does God do that? Does, is God the one that causes, you know, the devil to have place in our life? No, we, he says, you, it's implied, you don't give the devil any place. Now, if we had time, we'd go, we could unpack this, but essentially the, the, the context of this has to do with anger, okay? Notice, well, we'll just back up here a little bit. Notice what it says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, praise God, don't sin by letting, uh, well, I should say it this way, uh, by letting anger gain control of you. I think the, the New uh, Living Translation, uh, I didn't say that very well. Uh, let me say it to you again. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. And then the next verse says, neither give place to the devil. So when we allow anger, you know, to take over, some people have gotten so angry when they get done, they can't even remember what they've done. They, I mean, they just go out of their minds, you know. But anything that has the appearance of it, you need to avoid it. So what, again, are the pitfalls that we, we end up uh, running into in certain areas like this? Or again, how is it that we exercise this authority uh, where our lives are concerned, because it's important for us to understand that. And one of the ways is your attitude, okay? Any of you ever been around a person with a stinky attitude? Huh? And, and guess, I would assume that maybe you're not that excited about continuing to hang out there. Is that right? But attitude. You know, um, John Maxwell, in his book, uh, let's see, be all you can be. He made this statement. He said, your attitude determines the altitude 
at which you soar in life. Your attitude determines your altitude. Okay, well, I don't know about you, but I want to be up here where I'm not getting shot at, right? But if I, you know, get out in the weeds because I want to entertain anger or something like that, then, dude, you become a target, you know, for the enemy. Here's something that God told Israel in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. He says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness. Now, isn't that wild? Because you didn't serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. I mean, man, I tell you what, you got reason to rejoice, baby. I mean, you need to realize how blessed you really are. And it is the hand of God's benevolence that gives you what it is that you have. Hallelujah. But if you're murmuring and you're complaining, you know, and you're blaming and you're doing all these kind of other things, then there's no blessing there. You say, yeah, but you just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what, how it is I feel. And you could be right, but all of us have dealt with this stuff. Are you kidding me? There's nothing that's uncommon. Well, you never had it like I have. Well, probably not, but I'm going to venture to say somebody's had it worse than you. What we have to do is we have to understand that we are in a warfare and a battle, and we are not given the luxury of just being able to say, well, you know, can I make an excuse here? No, you can't. You, 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 it's, 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 it's too expensive. You say, yeah, but then I got a man up. Yep. Yeah, but then I got to put my lip back in my mouth. Yep. You know, and, and this is a side of Christianity that a lot of people don't want to listen to, talk about, or anything else. But I, I use the scripture way in the first of the script, uh, uh, service. You got to gird up the loins of your mind and be strong. You're going to have tests. You're going to have trials. The devil's going to see if you believe what it is you think you believe, and you're going to pass a test. I said, you're going to pass the test because we do believe, glory to God. But again, let me continue reading this. Let's start all over. Verse 47, because you uh, did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemy, which the Lord shall send against you in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. Wow. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he has destroyed thee. Now, dude, that's a bummer. I said, that's a bummer. But thank God it doesn't have to be that way for us. And we can get smart. Hallelujah. You know, the Apostle Paul, he, he talked about, in, and we won't take time to go there, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, he talked about, all these things are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth have come. So in other words, he's saying, take a lesson from somebody else that suffered because of disobedience and don't do it. Okay? And what he was talking about, again, was the nation of Israel. And in verse 10, it makes reference to something that happened where they, remember when they were murmuring? Dude, they were good at murmuring. I mean, they were always upset about something. And just about the time everything kind of got leveled out, and then here they go again. God does not want you to live this kind of life. Huh? 
And it talks about in those scriptures, again in verse 10, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. It's, it's, it's too expensive, you guys. You know, well, you know, it's just not right. You know, and I understand being wronged. We're all going to be wronged. All of us are going to have reasons to take offense. But here's the deal. What are you going to do? How will you respond? Are you just going to react in, in like manner? Or are you going to be smart and not stick your foot in the trap? You say, yeah, but you're asking me to do something that's not easy to do. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But I tell you what, he came so that you could have life and life more abundant, and this is what you got to do to have it. Does that make sense? Okay. So thank God we can do that. Um, <clears throat> so attitude is a biggie, you know. And, and here again, let me, let, me, let me place that in some form of context. Right now, in the world in which you and I live, there is such hostility there's such enmity. And you hear this person saying this and this person and everybody. Dude, do not get embroiled in that mess. Did you hear me? Because if you do, you run the risk. And, and again, what's it all for? It's to turn everybody on one another and cause all kinds of hatred and all kinds of loss and all of the things, you know, that are associated uh, with the things that are uh, the opposite of love. And I'm not saying that we condone sin and, you know, whatever it is that people are doing or anything of that nature. I'm just saying, dude, don't stick your foot in the trap. Are you with me? Go down the middle of the road, stay happy, and trust God. And do your civil part, you know, as a, a citizen of this country, and praise God, vote smart. Are you with me? And I don't think that takes too much of an interpretation. Hallelujah. So attitude can be a big deal. The other thing that can be a big deal, we're talking about how to keep yourself out of problems. We're talking about, really what we're talking about is we're talking about the, the practical, um, real way that this whole fight goes on that we're talking about that you have authority over. But you have to, again, you have to stay out of whatever it is that comes your way. If you cop a bad attitude, repent. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know better. I, I, I'm, I, I just, I allowed myself to get someplace I don't need to be, and I just want you to forgive me. And maybe you got to ask somebody else because, well, they've been the brunt of your bad attitude. But the other thing can be the works of the flesh. This is something else. You know, we're talking about the devil's devices that we're not supposed to be ignorant of. But the works of the flesh are very real. Um, turn with me to James chapter 3 and look at something here. That, and you think James was the pastor of the church there. He was the half-brother of Jesus. And he was, he was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And you want to talk about black and white. You want to talk about direct James would be your man. I mean, he would say things, no question about it, that would offend you, and guess what? He wouldn't care. Huh? Now, notice what he says here. 
And we don't have time to get into that, but it's true. Notice what it says here. Um, let's start in James 3 and verse 14. Now, we're talking about the works of the flesh that people allow themselves to um, yield to. He said, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom um, descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, what's the next word? Devilish. Now notice what it goes on. It says, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion and there is every evil work. So what's that say to you and me? We're not going to get in any kind of envy and strife kind of situation, whether it's somebody else that's having that feeling or whether we're being tempted to do so. We're not doing it. All right. Read it again with me real, real quick. It says, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion, and there is every evil work. Now, here's an example of it. And we don't have time to look at it. You can study it for yourself. Go back to Numbers chapter 12 and look at Miriam. Miriam was the oldest sister of Moses and Aaron. So you got her, Aaron, and Moses. And Moses has been chosen. He didn't ask for this. God just said, you're the one. He says, no, I don't think so. You got the wrong guy. And he said, oh, yeah, you're it. And so here's the youngest that is leading the nation of Israel. And in Romans, or I should say in Numbers chapter 12, the, the lesson behind this, my friend, is stay in your lane. Don't be trying to be somebody else or have somebody else's place or position. Just get happy about what it is that's going on here. And if the Lord tells you this or that or the other, then so be it. And she stood up and said, well, you know, hasn't God ever used us before? And she brought it, she caused a strife. And she caused all kinds of problems. Why? Because she was envious of her little brother. I mean, when you get down to where the rubber meets the road, the motive behind her making the statements was just that. And she ended up with leprosy like that. And had it not been for Moses and his petition and intercession in her behalf, she'd have had it for the rest of her life. And God says, I'll have mercy on her but she's going to go outside the camp for seven days and hopefully learn a lesson, and you guys park your car and wait, and when she gets done, then you can go on. We never think about the Bible like this sometimes. But I tell you what, it's way too costly for us to allow these things to enter into our lives. And you got to fight. you got to stand against. you got to resist. Because a lot of times there is in all kinds of ways, justification for maybe the way that you're feeling, but it's still not right. Are you with me? And, and that's why people <laughs> are having so, pro so many problems now, man. It's all about their rights. Selah. You say, what's that mean? Think about that. Because, you know, people are being destroyed and they don't even know it. I mean... 
it's, it's just unbelievable. And a big part of it is, now you say, well, how come that is? It's because people have forsaken God. They've turned their back. We don't need God. What do we need God for? We got money, you know, or whatever it is that they think, you know, and their contemporary arrogance is destroying them and they don't have a clue. And so the blinds leading the blind, they're all gonna end up in a ditch, except us. We're not going no ditch. We're gonna obey God, amen? We're not gonna get in that fray. We're gonna fly high, hallelujah. And I can't believe it's almost eight o'clock. Notice this scripture, you can write it down, uh, is 2 Timothy. This is uh, something, again, James said, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. But notice, uh, you know, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he said, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, able to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, preadventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the who? Devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Dude, that's scary. But that's exactly what happens when we allow ourselves to get in strife-filled situations. I mean, dude, if you got to, go outside and, you know, eat ice cream or whatever it is you got to do. I mean, stay out of it. Huh? Hallelujah. Is this helping anybody? Sure helps me because I realize, okay, so when I see this stuff coming, praise God, I'm not going to get in the middle of it. But here's the thing. When you open yourself up to demonic influence like that, you end up in his jurisdiction. And then he can just tear hell out of things. Pardon my, you know, comment, but that's, that's exactly what happens. But when you resist the devil, the Bible says, he will what? Flee from you. When you say, no, no, we're not having any of that here. This is not coming in my house. It's not coming in my life. And we are not having it. And you got to stand up in the name of Jesus and, and take your place. You say, well, I'm just not put together that way. Well, maybe you need to pray through until you are. I'm just saying, praise God, that it's important. There are other examples. Fear opens a door. Worry, doubt, immorality opens a door. You know, people think they can just do their thing and whatever it is they want and you know how I feel and it'll destroy you, man. That's all I got to tell you. You know, uh, say what you want about it. Psalm 23, remember that? The Lord is my shepherd, I what? Yeah, he makes me to lie down in what? Hallelujah. He leads me where? Beside still waters. He restores my soul. Huh? Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I what? I'll fear no evil. Hallelujah. We're in it, baby. You talk about the valley of the shadow of the death, we're here. Hallelujah. But we don't have to fear no evil because his rod and staff, they come. The word of God will keep you. Hallelujah. And he'll restore your soul. Hallelujah. And then he said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me, dog my tracks all the days of my life, and I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Yeah, man, that's my pedigree. That's your pedigree. That's where we're going. That's what we're doing. Huh? So we ain't going down this other road. Are you listening to me? We're going down his. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that blessed me. Listen to this. If you think that blessed you, listen to this. This is Isaiah 43.1. But now, thus says the Lord that created you. Did you know you were created by him? And he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, because I have redeemed thee. Did we not just read who who delivered us what? From the authority of who? Darkness. And translated us where? Into the kingdom of God's dear son. Isn't that what it says? Huh? This is old covenant stuff. We're in the new. So he says, right here in this scripture, I redeem thee. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Woo! Then he goes on to say, when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you're not going to get burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hallelujah. I gave Egypt for your ransom and Ethiopia and Seba for you. So the devil and his cohorts are the ones that are going to get everything. And you and I, if we obey God, hey, 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 it's going to be good. Huh? You get in the fire, there'll be a fourth man in there with you. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Another reason people get in trouble is because of ignorance of the word. I'm never going to get done. I just want you to know. Okay, But the Bible says that God's people end up being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Just like this stuff we talked about here tonight, you guys, this is priceless. It, it really is for you, to, for you to understand the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull down strongholds, huh? You know, casting down reasonings or imaginations and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, yeah, it, it, it takes something. But if you'll just let the word of God get on the inside of you, get in the book, let the book get in you, it'll, it, it comes as a natural kind of thing. Hallelujah. But ignorance of the word is... My people, again, are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Man, God doesn't want you to be ignorant. You know, there's, there's theology out there. People say, well, you know, God, he's sovereign, he's mysterious, he's all this, he's that. Well, yeah, he may be. But on the other hand, he's made some things, made, he's made known to us some things in the word of God. So thank God for what we know. And let's learn what we don't know so that, praise God, we don't have to experience uh, the things that other people do. Here's a scripture. This is in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. Paul is writing, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan takes advantage of people who don't know the truth. Now, in this case, the context is unforgiveness. You know? But thank God we don't have to. And I know, man, I mean, I understand how powerful the temptation to be unforgiving can be. We all do. We've all. Any of you ever experienced that before? Okay. 
Praise the Lord. Thanks for your honesty. Some people were nodding. Other people were just kind of hanging their head. Hallelujah. Look at this verse of Scripture with me. You got time for one more verse? It's only 804. We're doing pretty good. Look at John chapter 17, something Jesus said. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church. Notice what it says here. John chapter 17, verse 14. Jesus is praying for us, essentially. And he says, I have given them your what? What did he give them? He gave them the word. You want answers? They're in here. They're not out here. They're in here. I said, they're in here. He said, I have given, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their, he's, that's the God's method is to send his word to you to let you know whatever the truth is that you need to know. So he said here again in verse 14, I've given them thy word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray that you, uh, I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil that's in the world. In other words, keep your, you know, God keeping us, but on the other hand, us making decisions to be kept. Now, verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. So sometimes you have to choose the word when it says that we're to love our enemies, you know, pray for those who despitefully use. I mean, I've been through that. I mean, I've known times when the Holy Spirit said, pray for them. I said, I don't want to. You know, can't we just call fire down on them? Have any of you ever felt like calling fire? Okay, at least there's a few honest folk here. Absolutely. But that's not what we're called to do. Is that always easy? No. But thank God we got to be smart enough not to get in down at the altitudes where we can get shot at and end up getting killed. Amen? Jesus' temptation, you can read it in Luke chapter 4. I mean, he used the word, you know. It's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. In every temptation the devil um, gave to him. First John chapter 1 and 7, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. So ignorance of the word is just something we, it's, well, I I appreciate you being here tonight. I appreciate the people that are watching online because it affords us an opportunity for one hour to sit down and hear the word of the Lord. And not only that, but to help us in our understanding so that when we go down the road of life, at least we, 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 we have, we're equipped. Say, well, I can, I see this coming on. I got this. Boom. And that's the end of that. You know, you know what I'm saying? But if you don't know it, and if you don't see it, you can walk right into the middle of it. And you know, it's interesting because the book of Proverbs talks about that. You know, it talks about, you know, when trouble comes and things like that, if you listen to the word and obey God, you'll stop and everybody else will go on by and, you know, end up in, with the problem.
So thank God everybody say it together, I am smart. Yes, you are smart, and you're going to obey God, and you're going to do the will of God, and you're going to stand against. Now, again, I wish I had some time, but one of the reasons people have problems is they fail to stand, okay? You know, when you get in a storm, I mean, the storm, it's like, oh, God, you know, and, and you want it over yesterday. Matter of fact, as far as you and I are concerned, we just soon not even see it show up. But, you know, there's a duration, you know, that occurs, you know, when, uh, what was the one that went through Florida here recently? Uh, I want to say Ivan, but I know that's not right. Doesn't matter. You know, well, that thing, you know, they talk about its progression, where it's going to be, you know, it it makes landfall, and then, you know, you have to endure it. And sometimes people fail to stand, you know. Something comes, you know, goes sideways in our lives, and all of a sudden, you know, we want to, you know, just bail. No, you don't. I said, no, you don't. Look at this verse of Scripture. you got time for one more. It's only 8.09. Come on. Amen. Look here in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And uh, verse uh, James chapter 4. Um, verse 7, I think. Is that what I want? Yeah. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What's the next three words? Resist the devil. And he will what? He will flee from you. Resist. 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 You say, yeah, but can't this be over in a few hours? You know, it can be over as soon as you want it to in your heart. You know, all hell might be breaking loose, but I tell you what, you get over the word and say, devil, I do not care. I'm not moving. I'm going to win. And this battle is over, you know, and sometimes you'll just turn up the heat more. You say, oh yeah, you think so? Well, let, let this blow on you a little while. And so you just have to stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Are you with me? Look at this verse of scripture. Um, um, uh, first Peter chapter five, it's right there close by. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Verse eight, because your adversary, the devil is a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say he could. Whom resist. Huh? You say, but I don't like that. Welcome to the party. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of things occur within your brethren that are in the world. Like I said, his jurisdiction over you has been broken. He has no place whatsoever, but he does have the right to try. And you just have to say, "Uh uh-uh, passez-vous. Go find someplace else to peddle your junk. And then finally, I promise... Ephesians chapter 6, look at this scripture here. So we get, we'll just shovel off the whole load here. When Paul, Paul was writing here, he said, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. You say, but I'm not strong. Yes, you are. I said, yes, you are. You're not strong in yourself, but strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. Start confessing what the Bible says you are. 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can resist the what? Yes. So you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Hallelujah. For again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Why is it that this woman from California, whoever she was, she was some prof, you know, in some liberal, I don't know what, university. And and why is it that she would target and say Christians? That's from hell. I said, it's right out of the pit of hell. And what is she trying to do? The devil is trying to get other people to think the same way that she does. You know, our problem is those Christians. Our problem is those conservatives. Our problem is whatever it is they think it is. Why? Because the devil wants to put the heat on the church. And what the church needs to do is say, we ain't the problem, you are. Are you listening to me? So, that's about all I got to say. I hope that helps you. You know, I mean, praise God, let's not be ignorant of his devices, you guys. You got this. I said, you've got this. Let's everybody stand. You got to stand or otherwise I'll keep going. Hallelujah. The devil means a lot of things for evil, but if you'll stay in a place of faith, God will turn it into good. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful tonight for your holy written word. We thank you for that which it has revealed and made known to us. We're so grateful, Father, that Jesus took our place and he died so that we could live. And Father God, we are honored as your children, Father, to stand in this place of authority that you've given to us. So I ask you, Father God, to help each and every one of us to walk in the light of the word of God. Father, for whatever areas that we may be facing, dealing with, Father God, I just thank you that we are well equipped. We have more than enough. Hallelujah. We are world overcomers. You made us that way, Father. And so we just thank you tonight for your grace and your blessing. But Father, as an act of our will, as a choice and a decision within our hearts, we choose not to ever get into any kind of mess that the devil would try to set for a trap before us. And God, I thank you for giving us the wisdom, the wisdom and the insight and the intelligence to know and see what it is that's going on. And Father God, never make that step, never make a false step in our lives. And God, I just thank you for your blessing for every one of us that are here, those that are watching online. God, let's obey you. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. We want to obey you. And we just thank you, Father God, for your mercy and goodness in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? How many of you are ready to obey God? Amen. Praise God. I'm telling you what, it'll cause the devil to tuck tail and run, glory to God. But we have to resist him. Say, no, I ain't playing that game anymore. Hallelujah. I tell you what, what what you just heard tonight, man, this is worth a lot to your life. And you can just stay out all the fray. You know, and and understand this. Got it? Understand this. 
You know, if you got somebody in your life that's clear out in the peripheral somewhere and you didn't even hardly know them, and they make some derogatory statement about you or something or whatever the case, they, they criticize or they want, it doesn't have that much effect. But if you get somebody that's right next to you and that happens, it's pretty powerful. But the principle is the same. Doesn't matter who it is. You stay the course. Are you listening to me? The devil, he's not. I mean, think about Jesus. I mean, here he is, and he, he knew by the Spirit of God that one of the 12 closest people to him was going to betray him with a kiss. And I tell you, you talk about hideous. It, it, it's unimaginable, but it happened. Over what? Money. You know? Well, the guilt and the shame of it was so, so great that he went out and took his own life. Sad, you know? But thank God we are smarter, you guys. So let's walk in the light of the word. Can you say amen? You can be seated. I gotta stop. You guys are good listeners.